It's uh, the lakes in you know Ontario or in this area are just so lovely. You know, little islands and bays and you know the rocky coasts and beautiful. I wish I could see more of it. Yeah, yeah. When how how long, how much longer are you here? Um, until Friday. Okay. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I was born in BC and I spent you know, most of my life in Western Canada. And uh, in British Columbia, certainly they have some big lakes and some deep lakes and mountainous things. Alberta is where I also spent many years. It gets flat there, so the lakes tend to be fairly shallow and they aren't, they aren't interesting after you've been born and raised in British Columbia. But I can see too, if you're, if you're from this part of uh, of Canada, you'd uh, you'd have a certain kind of view about what lakes should be like. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm from the city, so yeah. all the lakes. Are <laughs> so I am yeah. sort of nature. I'm very oh, yeah. attracted to. Do you uh, like you were born in New York and you that sort of thing? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you get out much or? Uh, not really. I mean, the most the closest thing I have to nature is Central Park. Yeah. I mean, it's a big park. Yeah. But, you know, it's not. Not yeah. even close to what. Yeah. 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 Actually, you know, Central Park quite an accomplishment, really. It's it's really quite a quite a thing for a city. I was in Mexico City years ago, and uh, is it Chapultepec? I think Chapultepec. Is that what it is? Anyway, they have a big Central Park sort of thing too. I'm not sure if it's bigger or what, but it's big. And uh, um, anyway, it humanizes. It offers a special space in a big city, I think. They have some, those, those old Aztec words are, I learned a few of them, and, uh, um, yeah, now I've chuckled the package, I don't think I can remember it. They're, they're, they're just odd to kind of memorize. I went, uh, I was there in my first year as a monk, in, uh, just in the winter, went down, there was a, a small hermitage down there, I stayed with another monk, and uh, we, we actually were in um, Veracruz province, state, states or provinces, I don't remember which. It's, it's a state. It's yeah. a state, yeah, okay. And, um, and, uh, and we went to, so he, he, his hometown was near uh, Tehuacan, which is sort of a few hours south of Mexico City. And we also spent a few nights, we went over to the um, uh, uh, um, forest monastery near Oaxaca, Oaxaca is it? Oaxaca, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, no, it's, Oaxaca. You know what? You know yeah, well, I, yeah, I know the pronunciation yeah. of Oaxaca. Oaxaca, okay. Monastery. I didn't realize yeah. there was a monastery. There is, yeah. Nice, nice. It's in, this, it's in this in this, little valley. It's very beautiful. Yeah. And they're, when I was there, they were actually building a lay kind of meditation, you know, a place for, for people to, to stay. Um, if I remember, it was a couple of floors. And... Uh, um, the abbot then, I'm not sure if he's there anymore, he's an Argentinian, but he was a close disciple of, he, he was ordained in the Burmese tradition, and um, I think when his teacher died, he, he has sort of taken up kind of many of the responsibilities of his teacher, and so is in uh, California somewhere. Anyway, yeah, it's called... Um, forest, just called something like... Forest Monastery or something. Yeah, it's, so that's in what's that? What's that state? Veracruz. Uh, what's that state? Maybe that is Veracruz on the on the Pacific. Is that, is that on the West Coast? You don't remember, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm just kind of. Hmm. Um, the monastery that I was staying in, the little hermitages, was in Puebla. And then we went to Veracruz. Yeah, yeah that's it. Okay, that's, that's sorted out. I just look for excuses to visit other countries. Yeah, like okay. go to monasteries there. Oh so. yeah, 
Well, you might want to look this, but uh, actually, this friend who, who didn't remain a monk, um, he's coming here in early September for a week or so. And uh, yeah, you might you might want to look. It shouldn't be too hard to Google, I suppose. So it's it's well, nice. I found this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it is quite a lovely. It's in a narrow valley, a kind of pocket valley. It just sort of ends, you know, fields and stuff. And you drive up this this little road past farms and things, and then and then they own the you know the end of this valley. It's really nice, bamboo and stuff. Yeah. But maybe you'll want to come to Thailand sometime. Lots of monasteries are. Yeah, this, I'm very interested in visiting Thailand. Mm. Um, I, I, that was my first thought to ordain in oh, Thailand. In Thailand. A lot of people told me not to. Because, okay. you know, the political environment, I guess, is uh -huh. kind of... Uh, I wouldn't... It's, it's, it's funny. I know it makes the news in, in the West, but... but um, it's pretty, it's, it's not really an issue when you're there. Yeah, yeah lots, lots of monasteries. I mean, if you're ever thinking of ordaining or just kind of getting your feet, feet wet and spending a bit of time, then Wat Pananachat is probably the place to go because, you know, they speak English and, and uh, they've been receiving folks from all over the place for decades now. So that's a good, good start. I believe, yeah, um, I was referred to by the Ajahn that I was learning under when I was in Wimuti. Yeah, when you talk about that place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pretty well known now, you know, because Lumpur Samedo founded it, and uh, it's been, you know, there are always these days maybe 15 or 20 monks, and um, it's, a, it's quite a thriving place. And it's only a oh, half an hour drive from Wat Nampapong, which is the you know, the kind of mothership that where, where Lumpur Diem uh, uh, resides. So it's, uh, and in Ubon, your monastery is all over the place. But language is a, is a, is a barrier, you know, and uh, in a place like Ubon, in, in this area called the Isan in Thailand, I mean, you know, not too many people are going to speak any or very much English at all. So that's just a consideration. But uh, it's um, it's quite a revelation, really, to uh, to be in a, a Buddhist culture, just to you know, kind of where it's the norm to see monks and to and to hear about and think in sort of terms of Dhamma. So um, that's certainly a good reason to to go at, at some point or another, just to see what it's like. Of course, ideals and and um, one's images of what a Buddhist culture must be like are going to be sometimes bruised a little bit too because it's, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, just people going about their business and not always, you know, sometimes being quite naughty and, and uh, kind of doing, doing things the way people do with, who have, still have hindrances. So. Your son knows the routine well enough to pick up his own cushion. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Yeah. Thank you. 
So Adam, you have another meeting coming up? Uh, yes, in uh, September. Well, oh. September 5th. Oh, okay. Well, is there a meeting or some sort of, maybe it's a different, okay, maybe <laughs> a different Mark is building a new Kuti. Oh, that's it. Okay. So he may be coming by and talking Okay, about that's it. probably it, yeah. I'm, I'm leaving him to manage that. Okay. I'm just... Yeah. Yes. Pardon me? Oh, should I turn it on? I think this is it here. Yes. Here we go. Here it comes. Got the power. involved in be being a monk and yeah. that, yeah. And then maybe you could join in your story and how you got involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, well, in, in, uh, I mean, I've, I've, you know, we monks talk to each other and, and so you learn lots of personal stories and basically uh, um, uh, seem to be many ways of, you know, approaching into the monastic life uh, some monks they ended up in Southeast Asia because of the Vietnam War, you know, or mm -hmm. being in the Peace Corps, or traveling and surfing, or something like that. Um, I think in in more recent years, people maybe learn about meditation over the web, or they listen to Dhamma talks, or something of that kind. Sometimes it's still travelers, you know, just people touring the world, and some sort of happenstance that leads them there. <clears throat> so it really does vary, um, but uh, in every case, I guess you could say that something is triggered. You know, something about the spiritual life is is triggered in a person when they see um, uh, monks kind of living as monks, maybe. And uh, um, the commitment is is because um, we were just talking about about things in Thailand. Um, in our tradition, we have kind of a, I mean, there's a, Ajahn Chah set up a, a, a very kind of rational kind of approach into monastic life, which is we spend a year as what's called um, an anagarika, which means a kind of, you've left, you've left the home life. And you, and so these, these, um, these, these two individuals who are wearing white, mm -hmm. that's, that's their status. So they live by what we, you know, the, the eight precepts. You, you, you're probably a little familiar with the, the precepts and the five precepts of lay people. And, and then eight precepts makes you kind of uh, easy to be around monastics because it includes celibacy and um, also not eating after noon. So it's kind of simplifying life in those terms. <clears throat> so typically um, in our tradition, a person who is aspiring to, you know, wanted to get more than just their feet wet for a couple of weeks in a monastery, but actually really wanting to see if, they, if, if they're going to be able to sustain an interest in monastic life, they'll, they'll start, if they're accepted, they'll, they'll start as an, an agarika. And it um, um, gives them an, an opportunity to do many things, live, live in a monastery, um, Make a lot of merit just by, by by serving the monastery, the monks, and and, and by uh, close proximity, observing what what it what it takes to be a monk, that kind of thing. 
And if that goes well, and if they request it, and if the Sangha, that's the word for the group, yeah, if the Sangha decides um, to, to take them on board, then they ordain as summoneras. So right well, we have right now two summoneras who are going to actually ordain as bhikkhus uh, next month. So a summonera oh, is, is a novice, yeah? And summoneras take on um, basically one extra precept, but it's called ten precepts. But um, that precept is that they no longer handle money. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's a, that's you know another another departure from from um, life in the world in uh, on normal terms. Uh, also, uh, quite a radical radical simplification. I mean, it doesn't seem simple at first because you're having to rethink everything. But but of course it um, it does require that um, that. Um, Observing how it is you are when you no longer have, you know, whatever control you have over money. But when you when you lack even that control, you no longer have funds that you can just draw upon. Uh, on the other hand, you're also not responsible to 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 make money and to you know to. So that's uh, quite a quite a departure from uh, the worldly life. So as a, I always think of it like a, <clears throat> if a person is really uh, really, you know, intent on becoming a, a, a fully-fledged monk, then as an anagarika, you're kind of thinking, you know, you're living as an anagarika, but, but sort of thinking in terms of a samanera, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as a samanera, you're living as a but you're thinking in terms of being a bhikkhu, so you're trying to see yourself in that role, observe uh, what bhikkhu's training looks like, how their behavior uh, is, and, and and trying to just absorb, take on uh, the various requirements and expectations and responsibilities and privileges of, of monastic life. It takes quite a while, actually. Um, um, you know, it's one th- thing to read a few rules and maybe read a little manual or pamphlet or whatever, get some instructions, but to embody them, for these things to s- sort of soak in and for them to become over time actually quite natural, normal. Uh, that does take time. And um, so then when, when a person has uh, ordains and finally as a bhikkhu takes higher ordination, um, then there's still a period of five years when they are formally under training, under, uh, uh, let's see, a couple things. So when you ordain, uh, you, you need an upajaya, a, a preceptor, somebody who agrees to take you under his wing, as it were. You also need a, a sangha to kind of agree to the whole enterprise and to support you know, your, your going forth and your, um, your education in monastic life. And uh, often, but not always, the preceptor will also be your teacher. But sometimes he'll say, you know, um, monastery's full, as you know, you know, you would have discussed it, but uh, uh, um, you, can, you can live with monk so-and-so. And so, you know, they'll, they'll have still always a relationship. In fact, that relationship is, will last as long as both of you are alive and, and bhikkhus. So. Um, but anyway, there's now a five-year period when you are not on probation, but just, you know, in a formal teaching a student relationship, and so um, your your teacher will will be offering instruction and um, guidance, um, sometimes correcting your behavior and just observing how things are going. And in those five years, just out of course, um, um, the, the what what initially are quite strange become the habits and the norm of your life. Hopefully, you know, receiving food and all these things and you're learning chanting and you're learning how to sew and repair robes and meanwhile you're, you're, um, you haven't been part of the work scene quite yet but you're maybe you're also learning how to repoint uh, concrete you know, and mortar in, in old barns and whatever you know um, um, repair computers maybe who knows but uh, so there's so there's like a seven-year period when when a person is is entering and and then in the life in which this training is occurring, and then if the training if the preceptor feels that it's gone well, well enough, um, then he you're sort of given independence, 
which means that he feels that you are capable of living, you know, uh, traveling a bit or, or going to other monasteries or just not being under his direct care and observation. So, but then, uh, you know, almost in almost all cases, bhikkhus remain living in a in a sangha because. Um, um, it's usually observed that you need to be quite mature in your practice. So I'm talking about the norms uh, around behavior and deportment and all the rules that you're learning and, and living under. But there's also the practice, you know, um, uh, meditation, the um, absorbing the Dhamma, studying, reflecting on the Dhamma. So this is a lifetime's practice. and. Um, uh, some monks for periods of time, or some monks are kind of disposed to living in, in sec more secluded circumstances. But seclusion in, in Buddhist monasticism always entails some kind of quite close proximity to lay people because you need to eat. Mm -hmm. And so unless, you know, unless sometimes maybe a person is set up with a, a steward living nearby who's, you know, it's been arranged and that, um, uh, and all of this is sort of offered uh, freely, unless that's occurring, then you know, you're going to be living in some kind of monastery. And they can vary from places with 200 monks in, the, in downtown Bangkok, great big things that are centuries old and buildings, you, you know, three years later you still haven't been in all the rooms kind of thing, to, to uh, bamboo, bamboo shacks basically with one or two other monks and um, listening for the elephants at night, you know. So the various, the, the, the physical circumstances obviously great, vary a great deal. Um, and speaking of Thailand, of course, uh, we don't hear elephants around here. And <laughs> so, coyotes maybe. Mm -hmm. support from the community outside of the monastery here to support Well, um, um, yeah, I mean, obviously people who come here uh, support us in daily kinds of things and clean and helping and, and just, you know, being interested. Uh, but yes, uh, in a sense, the only reason it exists here is because of uh, the long-term support and interest um, of, of many people in Ottawa in particular, because it's not very far away. There was uh, Lumpur Viridamo, yeah, but uh, he was born in Toronto. Well, he wasn't born in Toronto. He, he grew up in Toronto, and um, his parents were there, and then his, his father died. His mother eventually moved to Ottawa. Now, he was, Lumpur Viridamo was, um, he trained in Thailand, and then he came, came to England with the early sort of wave of uh, Western monastics living and setting up shop in, in England. And uh, at a certain point every year, he'd come back and see his, his mom. Spent a bit of time here. And then he became an abbot in England, and then he became an abbot in New Zealand, and, but still he'd continue this. So long story short is for several decades, he's had a relationship, an ongoing relationship with uh, um, Buddhist, Dhamma, meditator kind of groups in both Toronto and uh, Ottawa. And so, um, you know, as he, uh, he then returned to look after his mother for the last nine years, I guess, of her life, and, and so was, was very much here. And while she was still, you know, not, not, not really, really uh, uh, feeble, but while she was still, uh, you know, more, more active, he could leave and, and he would be teaching retreats and giving talks and all that kind of thing. At some point, uh, it seemed kind of natural for him to you know, to start a monastery mm -hmm. yeah, in the Ottawa area, and so um, another. Um, so, so what I'm basically saying is that, that a place like this normally will exist because of the explicit uh, invitation and support of people who want you here, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, and that's certainly been the case uh, with Ottawa, and we get many visitors, obviously, from Toronto and other towns and. Ontario. Yeah. I'm I'm speaking a little bit as a visitor because I'm a <coughs> Canadian monk, but uh, I've been living in Thailand for the last uh, seven, seven and a half years, and so um, and I've been here a few times, but this is the first time I've lived here for a few months. So I'll be leaving, returning to Asia in, in November. Mm -hmm. So, 
We'll go to Canada then this time. Um, I decided I would <laughs> spend. So this is we're, we're in what's called the range retreat. Uh, in, in India, the ancient you know kind of rains period, the monsoon period, is a sort of set period. Basically, you have three seasons: yeah, hot season, the the, uh, the, the rains, and then the cold season. So um, um, the Buddha set up the rain season in a particular way, so that monks would remain in a particular monastery. They determined to kind of stay put. So uh, and sometimes monks will. Um, decide, oh, I think I'll spend, you know, the next rain so-and-so or mm -hmm. this other place. So I wanted to do that just to speak English for uh, a nice long period and uh, and uh, and I've known Mukravir Dhamma since I was a, an Anagarika. So, um, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a wonderful mentor and, and friend, so it's a nice opportunity to spend good time with him. In my case, I, I started going to meditation retreats in 1980, so, um, and, um, and I was studying Buddhism in university from about that time, so um, that kind of trajectory into the robes sort of was, you know, had a basis in my, in my practice and my interest for many years. And um, so... So about 20 years, you know, I had a kind of, I'm a slow learner, so it took that kind of gestation. <clears throat> Plus I had a, a, a family and, and that, so, you know, you do things in what seems like a timely way. From Ontario, or you, yeah, in the, from this area? Yeah, I grew up in a small town called Woodstock, which is near London, Ontario. Okay. And yeah, I've heard in Brantford, which is also between yeah. Hamilton and London. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not even sure. Maybe you're not together. Did you We're come back? You seem to get. Yep. And Chris is also. And oh, also in the <laughs> three of us came okay. together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought <laughs> I saw you kind of walking. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Brantford. Yeah, so the three of us came from Brantford. Yeah, yeah. Is there a, a Dhamma group or a meditation group that you're kind of part of? Or? Not a Buddhist uh, group, but I lead a, med a mindfulness meditation group at a yoga studio I opened three years ago. Yeah. And so I open that up to the community. Mm -hmm. um, and I also lead meditation uh, with groups who are struggling with addictions and mental health in the city of Bradford. And um, that's my connection. Growing mm -hmm. up, I had no, actually, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I had yeah. no, no exposure to Buddhism. Yeah. And it's something that I got into as a result of a yoga practice and then training. Uh, training through that and exposure and understanding of the Buddhist ways and, mm -hmm. and a recommendation to come visit you here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, monasteries are real resources, you know. And, it's incredible. Uh, very interesting kind of social level levelers too, because people come, you know, from all walks of life to a monastery, and then when you're there, then you're just a practitioner, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
it's really interesting in Thailand in this respect because uh, in a uh, you know a, a, a teacher a famous teacher not necessarily even a famous teacher you know on a given day um, maybe there's a couple of villagers and they're complaining about their water buffalo and there's the wife of the ambassador from you know whatever and and uh, and the uh, um, a retired general and and um, three you know just such a varied and they're all just sitting on the floor mm -hmm. you know with the Krubajan and he's <laughs> he's he's chatting with them you know and and they bring their um, their um, problems their interests or you know their their uh, ears to to that situation it's a very yeah socially I think in a place like Thailand it's a very healthy thing you know, potentially, obviously, it goes wrong in certain ways, and it's um, it's uh, any human endeavor is prone to um, to mischief, <laughs> and uh, but but it's 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 really lovely. So when you see a monastery then in, in the West, there's a huge amount of education that takes place, or because people don't, why would they get it? You know, why why would they understand what you're doing unless they ask or unless they've studied or you know been been exposed to it before. But over time, that you know, the numbers of people who at least have some uh, inkling as to what it is you do, what it is a monastery does and stands for and, and offers, uh, the, the number of people grows, and um, and then there's this sort of comfort, you know, there's this uh, in a monastery then becomes in very real terms. It has been from the beginning, but it becomes more obvious. It becomes. In very real terms, a refuge. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're not required to be a liberal or a conservative or a mm -hmm. whatever. You're not required to be a man or a woman. Or a, you, you just you just you come out of interest. You know, and, uh, it's, uh, so as a as a monk, then in the you know in a sense in the middle of all of that, it's a very um, uh, very privileged and uh, very fine place to be. Yeah. It begins to make of life uh, something very, very worthy, and and uh, um, so a lot of gratitude, you know, for for for, for monasteries existing, and and I was part of the the foundation of um, Birkin Monastery in British Columbia, in its current its final iteration, and um, yeah, that that process of uh, you know. Education and you know, it's just it's just it's so you know the early beginnings can be so gnarly sometimes, mm -hmm. so <laughs> rough and ready. You know, this is near Kamloops, BC. You know, and um, I'm sure there are wonderful, and highly cultured, and obviously very intelligent people in Kamloops. But it isn't like you think of Kamloops as the center of Canadian civilization or high culture. I mean, it's just you know, I mean, there's logging and there's cattle and. <laughs> It's just just like that. I remember though uh, the value of um, was certainly driven home once, and it's you know this is one of many examples. But uh, I used to, I, you know I did a lot of work there, and and, um, and I'd be driven into town once a week, twice a week, and I'm going to hardware stores and doing this and that and the next thing. Anyway, um, one day the steward and I find we're at. Um, Gravel, gravel pit. Okay, so you have to understand gravel pit. You know, the gravel. So you got the big trucks, the big, the big trucks rolling in and out, and you got a kind of office. You know, and um, there might be one or two people in there. And there's, in this case, there's a harried woman. She's operating the phone and she's dealing with people, customers behind the desk. She's giving them quotes on different, different types of aggregate and gravel. And she's dealing with men. You know, trucking men coming in and out. You know, that's, 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 so, um, um, it, it, it isn't, I mean, we're, we're all human beings, and, and so if you, if you're dealing with your, your doctor, or your psychiatrist, or, you know, your undertaker, or, um, the man who manages the Safeway, or, all of these are different relationships, and you kind of, you know, you unconsciously even expect different kinds of things and interests from, from folks. So it's, it's really wonderful. And in there, and there's this woman, you know, and she says, 
oh, you're from the monastery, you're from Birkin, aren't you? And he said, yeah, that's right. He said, yeah, you know, um, two years ago, uh, just, you know, just after my mother died, I came up there and spent a weekend. Best thing I could have done. Yeah, that was, that was really, really lovely for me. Because the the juxtaposition, yeah, of kind of working class, you know, trucker, uh, and 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 yet it provided that 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 offering for this for this woman. It's great. Find very much the antithesis of our culture. Excuse me. The, these these plate refuges, as you call them, yeah. is very much the antithesis of our culture. Our culture is very busy. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot on the mind, and uh, it's just, it's so healing for people to experience letting that go for a short period mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to find space in, in, in the heart, mm-hmm. and uh, mental space, physical space. How long have you been teaching yoga? Three years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll be almost four years, actually. Yeah. Time flies. Mm-hmm. It's something I feel very blessed doing because it sounds like Cam Loops and Brantford have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you get the blue hat? Who gave you the blue hat? Um. Your dad? Somebody gave it to you. You didn't just find it on the street, did you? I think I got it for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we lost the other one. Oh. <laughs> Busy here with all kind of yummy stuff. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Hard to get his attention. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah, the hat caught my eye, though. Did you say, is he going into grade one or two? Or? Going into grade two. Two. Yeah. <laughs> grade one last year. Yeah. Is it, yeah, I think we already asked him if he likes school. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> I, I heard this really good story years ago. My agent son at Birkin, he, uh, <clears throat> he had this friend when he was a little kid has this friend, uh, and I think they're both in the same boat, so the next year, you know, it's the summer, and they're going to school, they're starting school in September, and uh, and his friend, his neighbor, he wasn't going to school, he'd seen kids going to school, what do you, you know, there's no way, it was really a struggle, and there's this wrestling match all summer. Finally, the parents uh, uh, tell him they'll, they'll, they'll give him a bike if he goes to school. 
He's gonna get a new bike. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. I'll do it. So <laughs> they go to school, and he comes back. Uh, you know, after the first day. You know, and like, oh, how was it? Oh, it's okay. You know, and do you meet any friends? And you know, and how would you do? And da da And yeah. Well, tomorrow you would. I have to go again. <laughs> Questions? Any things? Intriguing things? Alyssa. It's not Melissa. It's Alyssa. I called you Melissa this morning, I think. Alyssa is looking forward to maybe, if she's lucky, getting to work on the barn wall again tomorrow. (laughs) Working with a bird of mortar, mixing some mortar. It's, uh, it's really interesting what happens when, um, when you put, give labor to something, you know, because you'll always be able to come back if you ever come back. And, you know, you look at the wall of the barn or whatever. I mean, I've, you know, in monasteries I've built things or I've contributed to this or that or painted a wall or whatever. But it, it and that's, uh, um, it's, it does speak to this notion of making merit. Um, 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 the Buddha said that merit is actually another word for happiness and it brings, it brings some uplift to the heart to know that you've actually given something to something or some place or some, you know, some, some group, some person and, uh, and the, the, you know, the, the, the practical stuff, the physical stuff the, the concrete stuff it has a way of you know, offering a real concrete, literally concrete reminder of, <laughs> of what we've done. But it, it's, it's, there's, there's something to that. It's, it's quite lovely. So for, it's, it's nice. Obviously a monastery like this, it needs, it needs a lot of hands because there's so many buildings and so many, I mean, the, right now, Tan Kemiko, he's, he's, one of his big concerns is keeping, <laughs> keep getting, getting the mice and keeping them out of buildings because their um, mice and squirrels are trying to, you know, get, sort of arrange themselves for the coming uh, cold months. And uh, that's just an example. But, you know, roofs are starting to leak or roads need repair or whatever. It's just the, the, the physical world is like that. And um, sometimes when you live in a city and you live maybe, um, um, you know, in an apartment, so you're renting, you live in a city, you're renting, and you're buying your food, you know, where does milk come from? It comes from Safeway, you know, it's that kind of <laughs> mentality. And it's, it's, you're so removed from, from how things actually work sometimes. It's very, uh, it's very engaging and, and, and kind of healthy to be involved with, with the, the stuff of life in a, more, in a more immediate sense. So it's one of the things that monasteries offer. I'm sure you all have lots of practical skills, but... Foundations are a nice thing to work on because they they don't get touched very often. Mm. And they're extremely important and satisfying. So if you see a house falling down in the country, it's because the foundation is given. And so a building that has a foundation that is not giving way yeah. will stay, it will just gradually weather and disappear, but it won't ever collapse right. because it has this uh, solid foundation. And then when it goes to ruin and you know rots away, the foundation is still sitting. <laughs> so it has this kind of permanence. And if yeah. it gives out, then the whole thing just yeah. disappears. 
So it's like the foundation, and then the roof is the other thing that's really critical. Yeah. And then the rest can just, you know, the wind can blow through it, but if you have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the roof. Okay. Adam is, a, is our architect. So. Uh, it says a lot about practice, too, doesn't it? Which yeah. is, um, Buddhism is always, you know, we have these lists and we have these uh, uh, things depend on other things. Uh, dependent origination is, is like, the, as, as the uh, talk last night was saying, is the, the kind of nub, the, the heart of, of the teaching. And that's, you know, the answer to every question in Buddhism sort of is, well, it depends. <laughs> what will happen at this? Well, it depends. Uh, how do I do this? Well, it depends on, you know, on this and that. Um, so all of the spiritual qualities depend on other qualities for, for support. So there's this sort of mutuality of, of causal, causal relations, which is very crucial. And when, those, when, those, um, when, when the various conditions are aligned and harmonious, and, and uh, when there's virtue, for instance, that's uh, breathing life into everything, uh, then spiritual, spiritual factors develop and, 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 uh, and you have this kind of foundation developing that is sound, is good, is well-grounded in, 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 in practice, well-grounded in Dhamma. So um, these, it's, it's very interesting to, to think of Dhamma in, in terms, and it's, you can start anywhere and get to anywhere else in Dhamma because it's a, uh, there's a, a kind of, it's, it's holistic. It's, yeah, I, think, I think the word whole and holy are actually related in language. So there's something very deeply true and beautiful about, about Dhamma in this sense because it's, a, it's whole, it's complete. And uh, practitioners um, get intuitions of this from time to time in their lives. When you see just dimly into something, but you realize that 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 that, that little something actually speaks to the whole of life, even if only for a few moments, or through you know it's kind of intuitive impulse, perhaps. But but still, it, it speaks very deeply uh, into the whole of your life. This is very encouraging. So if you want to sort of describe the foundation of your practice, what would that be for you? For me? Yeah. You know, um, um, monks in our tradition often, we, we, we think of kamatan, yeah? Kamatana, it's a basis of practice. So if you ask forest monks, you know, uh, you know, sometimes we're called kamatan monks, you know, so let's, you know, and, and monks will talk to each other about these things. Um, oh, you know, it's, it's breath, you know, say, or, yeah, I've been, I've been working with the, 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 the contemplation of death, that, that's my kamatan, you might say, or, so there are, there are actually 40 kind of classical subjects, but basically they're, they're, they're infinite. And, uh, Lumpur Sumedho often has, um, such a, such a way of <laughs> capturing things very simply. And uh, I remember hearing years ago, and it's something which guides me still, hearing years ago that he was once asked this question. It's a natural question. Lumpur, what's your kamatan? He says, my, you know, he has that beautiful voice of, my kamatan? Life, life is my kamatan. <laughs> you just can't do any better, right? Yeah, because... Um, if there's anything, you know, if if, if there's anything uh, outside of your kamatan, you're not practicing. You know, you're not. It's not. It's not complete enough, comprehensive enough, holy enough. So. So, um, but you know, still uh, we have our, our, you know, kind of inherent talents. We we lean into certain things. We find certain forms of practice more agreeable or interesting or or challenging in interesting ways, you know, whatever. So, of course, um, I have uh, these opportunities to explore different things. And, and uh, in, in being in Thailand, I suppose, uh, I wouldn't call it a kamatan, but certainly uh, one of the things that's been intriguing to me is just um, contemplating devas. Because it's uh, it's one of the it's one of the the uh, ten reflections actually devas, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, breath, 
death, you know, also devas. And, um, and um, so you, you, you kind of, what do I do while well, I sort of contemplate, well, what would, would, a, what would a devic mind be like? What would the heart of a deva, how would it respond to this or that? What is, what is that kind of, um, that particular quality of mind which we would call devic? And um, uh, in, I mean, in, in Buddhism, actually, devas span a huge range from relatively, uh, uh, would you say, not so advanced devas, you know, in, in, in the grass or in little trees and whatnot, to, of course, very uh, sublime states. So I'm not, I'm not so much talking about tree devas here, but, um, but, um, and we have te some teachers who see devas and, and, uh, and. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a little more in the air, let's just say. It's a little more in the air in Thailand than it is in, in southern Ontario or Canada in general. So, uh, so it, is, it has been a, a point of, of interest to me. They literally see them? Excuse me? They some, some, yeah. I mean, great, great meditation masters. Uh, these things are spoken of in the suttas. Uh, meditation still works. Uh, jhanas um, are still experienced by some meditators and um, and uh, the mind is still capable of these things so yes there are and uh, can I prove it no but but I, I, I believe what they tell me yeah. it, it's it's not that it's not that uh, there aren't many monks who who would have these kinds of um, visionary powers but I do believe that there are some um, even that belief, I think, um, is is useful because uh, it, you know, there's more to heaven and earth than dreamt of in your philosophy. You know, it's it's one of those things that opens up the life the life a little bit. It also um, speaks to dhamma in in general terms because much of what we read about in the suttas, you know, I can't. You know, I haven't seen that. I don't you know that. How does he know that? And uh, I mean, the Buddha speaks in very large terms about the cosmos. Uh, he has a you know the things that he experiences, that he knows, that he can converse about intelligibly. Apparently, span universes basically. So um, uh, if if one has at least an openness to that, to these facts, to these possibilities, these teachings, then to to um, to meet, or at least to, to know of some practitioners who actually have some semblance of these powers, is is actually encouraging. Uh, it, it encourages more more uh, confidence, maybe in the in the in the teachings uh, as a whole. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs>